but anyway, as we're waiting to get in the building here, I had somebody come up to me and they asked, uh, what's your opinion of using gray water for irrigation? And uh, my thoughts there are, uh, do you like to use uh, sewage and uh, somebody else's medicines for irrigating your garden? And he says, uh, what do you mean? Okay, I work at this, in Canby at an irrigation outfit. I talk to the guys that work at the city utilities. I ask them about water quality in the city of Canby. Since the city of Canby pulls out of the Molala River, do you detect anything in that water that comes from the sources upstream, which is the city of Molala? And it said, yes, we can detect prescription drugs in the water. I says, how do you filter it out? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> they have wells they could use, but they choose to use the river because it's easier. City of Canby dumps theirs out. City of Wilsonville sucks it back up again. And it goes on down the chain. So when people think that their water's safe, it may, be, it may meet state standards, but it may not be what I would consider. In case you're not wondering, my name is Vic Schneider. I do irrigation design work for Fisher Supply in Canby, Oregon, mainly dealing with agriculture customers, not home gardeners. So anyway, uh, my background is mainly in irrigation. I've been in the industry since about 92. Um, the biggest thing with home gardeners, uh, and I call even some of the community gardens are, are what I'd consider more home gardeners. A lot of the people are looking at rain barrels and stuff like that. Um, so if they get the first slide up, we'll see that occur. I'll just give you a little background. Uh, a lot of people think, okay, I've got a 55-gallon rain barrel. I'm going to irrigate my garden with it. And I said, okay, great. Uh, so how high do you have it up off the ground? Uh, what do you mean? I says, well, is it sitting on the ground or is it elevated? And if you, the more you elevate, the more pressure you're going to have. And so they think that they can buy a, an emitter or something, irrigation valves, because they want it all automatic. And I heard somebody say, I want mine automatic. Uh, the regular irrigation valve is designed to open at 5 PSI. And so a rain barrel at two feet off the ground has one pound of pressure. So you aren't going to get it to open or close. And so then you say, okay, what's the next step? We need to look at something that has a motorized ball valve in it so that when it activates, it will rotate and give you a straight path through without having to go through a diaphragm to work. And uh, the best thing there is most of your uh, battery-operated hose-end timers have a ball valve that operates. The batteries are good for about a season. That's when people want to start putting the emitters in, that if you look for an emitter, you want to look for one that is non-pressure compensating if you're going to be using a rain barrel. Because that way it doesn't require the five PSI to open and close. And, and it's nice to use a take apart emitter because that way you can take it apart and clean it because if you're collecting rainwater, whatever lands on your roof ends up in the barrel. And it, in, try to uh, get away from dark 
or I mean white plastic pipe because light will transmit through the pipe. You'll grow algae and other things, especially from rainwater. So the darker you can keep your rain barrel, if you, if you can seal that rain barrel up and it's a dark rain barrel, it's gonna work very well. But if light can get in there, algae will grow. You will have plug emitters, you'll have plug drip tape. Uh, so the more you can work at doing that. There's your rain barrels. The higher you can get the rain barrel off the ground, the more pressure you're gonna have. So you, roughly, it's 0.433 pounds per foot. So one pound for two feet is what I usually do as a rough calculation. So if you need any pressure at all, and then, then uh, we, we'll have some slides that show you some other things there. Uh, what's your water source? And depending on where you live, some people's water quality is such that I go, sprinkler irrigation, that's what I recommend. Uh, because if, you're, uh, if you do a, a small water test, you know, like say, take a water sample into somebody and say, okay, uh, is this water good for my house use? And they'll do a free analysis. A lot of your Home Depots and stuff will do that, try and sell you a water softener but you don't need to tell them what you're really trying to do, but they'll, they'll give you the, the total dissolved solids, which tells you how much minerals in it. I was talking to a guy this past week, his uh, TDS was 3,000. And uh, what was happening is they had a, a slight spill that the water conditioning equipment dumped the back water down the well, which was all the salt brine. And so it, it raised that TDH up. So the, TD, uh, the, the, the TDS is, is total dissolved solids. Bacteria, we don't need to worry about too much, but if your bacteria is high and you're sprinkling it on your crop, chances are you may be in the news saying, oh, hey, we have a, a bacterial outbreak uh, because we didn't have good water. And if you're washing your produce with something that has bacteria, and the biggest thing it, to look at is if you're on a well, it's not usually as bad, but I know of a case where there was a, a home site that had an abandoned well, and a guy had an RV parked there. Guess where he was dumping his sewage? Down the well. No one knew about it. Everybody in the area was treating with chlorine to try to get rid of the bacteria. Uh, the place got sold. Uh, they were hired to a pump company to come in and test pump the hole to see what it had. And they called the uh, home base and says, hey, I think we got a problem here. Uh, we got toilet paper hanging up on our pump. And so it's nice to know what your water quality is. Um, it, if, if you're working with uh, uh, wells, normally that's not the case. If you're working with a spring, uh, probably 98% of the spring water that people use has bacteria in it. And so just because you think it's good, it may be sort of good. And I just worked with somebody that had uh, just drilled a new well, hooked up to the new well, think, thought things were going good. Uh, people weren't feeling well in the house. They did a bacteria test, it was high. I says, when you hooked the new well up, did you chlorinate your pipeline? to kill all the bacteria from the, well, uh, the spring that you were using. They had not. And so they went through the process of rechlorinating everything to get everything back to snuff. 
So quality is a big difference. And then once you figure out your water quality, if it's really bad with iron, <coughs> iron plugs small emission devices. So then it's either hand watering or sprinkler or flood or something like that is your best options unless you want to spend a lot of money for treatment equipment to pull it out. So flood irrigation, basically uh, a lot of people will plant their plants in a trench and then by walking along with the hose they can fill that trench with water, it soaks in, so it's sort of similar to flood irrigation. Um, my brother-in-law does it at his place because uh, he lacks the water resources to irrigate with sprinkler and the water has high iron content. So he finds it by going every other day and filling that trench with water, it does a good job for him. Um, drip uh, is to where you, your water should be fairly clean. And uh, then how clean is your garden spot? Do you have a lot of weeds? If you have weeds, the less water you put on over a wide area, the better off you're going to be because it's going to save you time. And uh, sprinklers aren't as efficient. Drip can be real efficient. And so what, how, how are you going to lay out your garden? So a lot of people will go with raised beds because they're nice, neat, and easy. Uh, when you start laying out an irrigation system, uh, try to figure out, okay, if I'm going to be rotating crops, and I want a, a permanent system for each of the rows there, what's going to be the easiest way to do it if I'm rotating different crops? So you say, okay, if I space the rows six foot apart and have a uh, two or three foot bed width, that may work the best because that way you can rotate crops and, and uh, try to do your companion planning and all that. But I'm not one of the, I, I, I attempt to do it and a lot of times it don't work. A lot of people look at a slide like this and they say, okay, that sounds good. Uh, I pulled this up on the internet. They said, okay, take PVC pipe, drill holes in it, 16 inch hole. There's a problem with that. Um, white PVC will, will let algae grow because the sunlight will pass through it. So if you take a piece of pipe and look down it with the end plugged, you will see white ins or, or light inside of that pipe. And so that means that light is getting through it. Um, if you're going to use pipe, we usually use electrical conduit unless you're inspected. Then you have to go schedule 80 or polytubing. Um, a lot of the smaller organic farmers are leaning toward polyethylene pipe, the black plastic pipe, because they say that it doesn't emit the harmful uh, chemicals out of the pipe that PVC might. And so there's two thoughts there. Uh, I'm not a chemist, so I don't get involved. And so anyway, uh, once you get your gardening uh, set laid up, uh, you look at this picture and you say, what's wrong with it? Okay, it's all white PVC. If you look at it, there's no trees in the background. It's a sunny day. Um, you look at it and you say, hmm, whoever designed that's not good. And then with the holes drilled, you have to put leveling stakes in to keep everything level so that you attempt to get water out. We ran into this with some uh, new crops a couple years ago. People were buying what they called water rings, which is nothing more than a piece of a poly tubing with holes drilled in it and no particular size. And most of the hole sizes were 532nd, which if you have pressure, 
puts out about five to seven gallons a minute. Uh, and he had several of these holes on each one, and they said, well, we can only water the first two plants. Well, yeah, because your main line's not big enough for, so you gotta look at some pressure compensating or something. Uh, this, on our website, we have some tools uh, for people that, that are new to it. Uh, host connection, filter, pressure regulator, uh, connections for your poly hose and then drip tape coming off of it. Uh, nice thing about something like that is it's fairly inexpensive to set up. Uh, you can buy a lot, of, a lot of the drip tape in thousand foot <laughs> rolls, which for the average gardener will last maybe five years. It don't go bad if you keep the shed. Question? Uh, Fishersupply.com, and so uh, it's it's a case where we have a lot of interesting facts on there, stuff about uh, nitrates, uh, arsenic, uh, bacteria, as well as how to chlorinate a well. And uh, depending on the chlorination method you use, a lot of times you'll have to put a little vinegar in to lower the pH because chlorine bleach will raise the pH. And don't think you can dump a whole gallon down a well because you'll, you'll taste it for a long time. So basically, the best thing to do is you draw out your garden, figure out how far apart you want your rows and what you're going to plant. Do you want double line, single line? A lot depends on your crop. You figure uh, drip tape usually will travel uh, six inches to foot each side of it. So if you got a three foot wide bed, uh, usually two, two strings of tape down it will take care of it. If you got a narrower bed, maybe one string would do the job. Tape. I'll pass it around. And, and uh, that way you, you can see if you look closely, yeah, they come. Uh, and, and the paper clip on there is for the guys that get inventive. Okay, my garden spot is level ground. You go out to the site, you know, on large agriculture, like I'm working on a project right now, the guy wants to irrigate tape, 500 foot row, uh, 30 foot elevation. 30 foot elevation is about 16 PSI that it gains going down the hill. So the tape will blow out. So the, the paper clip on there is a cheater in the fact that you can clip it on the tape to shut off part of the flow to back it up because what happens on a steep slope all your water runs past the middle you get a little in the beginning a lot at the end nothing in the middle by putting the paper clips on about every five foot of elevation drop you're backing enough up that you can actually spread it make it work without having to uh, a lot of the commercial farmers will cut the tape and put in a piece of smaller tubing to neck it down uh, by doing a paper clip it's a lot cheaper faster and easier. It's up to you. There's so many manufacturers of tape out there. T-Tape is a brand. Uh, we end up using uh, Aerotech uh, that's made down in Southern California uh, because it's about half the price of T-Tape. And you know, I, I noticed in one of the flyers, uh, there's a company that I just cringe every time I see because they compete with us in this area and that's Robert Marvel. Uh, and usually what happens is you, you pay for your tape up front, like in December, and then uh, about in March they'll ship it to you in truckload lots. They'll, they'll load up a truck from the East Coast, come dropping stuff out in a certain area. And so it's a case where it's okay, but you, they don't give you the technical support if you buy from a local distributor. Drip tape, depending on water quality, 
will last about a season because it's only an eight mil product, which is fairly thin. Uh, your soaker hoses depend on the pressure you're putting through it because if you look at most soaker hoses, porous hoses, which are like recycled rubber, they tend to harden in the sun. Uh, most people tend to run more pressure through them than what they should. The other thing you start looking at is, you know, I showed you a picture of a pressure regulator. Uh, pressure regulators have a flow rate to them. And so you, you almost have to be a mathematician to start figuring this out because uh, most of the small regulators are good from about 0.43 gallons per minute to about eight gallons a minute. And if you're only running one line in your garden, chances are you're down to 0.1 gallons a minute. So the pressure could start to even out and you'll be above pressure. We have some uh, uh, Hmong people that, that have uh, community gardens and you, you ask them about pressure regulation, oh, we don't use any. I said, but you're putting a lot of stress on that hose. Oh yeah, it gets big and tight it's, it, and it's good. And I'm thinking, one of these days you're gonna blow something out and uh, they, they uh, seem to get by with what they're doing. Uh, the biggest uh, thing you gotta watch for is if you're using a rain barrel, is your temperature, if that rain barrel's black, I've seen it two years ago, we were having an issue in a field, the guy wanted to run tape a certain way and we told him it wouldn't work. He did it anyway and then he calls up and says, my tape's blowing out. So we checked the temperature of the water in the tank and it was about 110 degrees. Out in the field we were 120 degrees where the line was blowing because all the black laying on top of the ground. Uh, and so the problem was uh, he was having issues. And then another guy, he was using tubing on top and the heat would generate during the day. And so he found that he could only irrigate at nights because the temperature was too warm in the pipe during the day to irrigate because it'd build up heat in the, in the, in the pipe. So that's just tidbits of information. So yeah, what, what happens is when you're using drip, you look at your, uh, Puddling, and you say, okay, we got a leak. What's causing the leak? Is it a rodent? Is it an insect? And uh, we've had uh, nurseries that have fumigated the ground and planted their crop in the fall. And in March, when they go to turn it on, they have leaks. So you inspect the tape under a microscope and you see these holes drilled in the tape. And the guy says, well, it must be when we installed it, we tore it. And now you look at it and you can see that it was eroded away um, from an insect chewing and digging on it. And so he says, you mean to say I wasted my money on this fumigation? I said, I didn't say that. I says, it's just a matter, you gotta find out what's eaten on it because it could have moved in from another part of the field. Uh, Toro is a brand that we, we handle. Uh, then you have your porous hose will, will weep out all the way along. The biggest thing you watch on the porous hose, if your pressure's too high, it will be shooting little streams and stuff, and that's usually a sign your pressure's too high. And so it should be weeping like that hose shows there. The other emitter will have a, a little mission hole. Depending on the style of emitter, it's either gonna be a boat style emitter that's bonded to one side with a hole, or the one like here, I can see the round cylindrical piece in the hose there, so I know that it's got two, two emission holes. 
And so uh, the old school was that. The new school is the manufacturers come up with the idea if we have a boat style, style emitter, it's going to allow us to use that same emission device for all sizes of tubing we make. And that's the thing you got to watch. Uh, in our business, people come in and say, okay, I bought some stuff at Home Depot. What size is it? Well, I don't know. It's the small stuff. They're all the same. And uh, they're not because uh, you start out at about 15 millimeter all the way up to 22 millimeter. And so the fittings will interchange to a little bit of degree, but not enough to make it work. And uh, so anyway, when I talk about it, that says a non-PC emitter for gravity flow. Uh, even though that says PC there, ignore that. But I like an emitter that you can take apart to clean if you need to. Uh, especially in the home garden area, because that way you can tell what's going on. Uh, Jane happens to make that one. A lot of them are a little flag emitter. Uh, it's more popular with most manufacturers. And if you see your wetted pattern, uh, with that being tubing, those are probably 12 uh, inch spacing. Uh, the new trend is a lot of people are deciding to irrigate their lawns that way. And so by putting the, the, the tubing about every foot, it's going to slowly soak in the ground and not waste a lot of water. Drip tape, do they sell one that can't be eaten by insects? Sort of. And the reason I say that, it's all in mill thickness and, and the useful life. Uh, eight mil seems to be the most common in the industry uh, for agriculture use, and the reason is it's less expensive. You can go up to 15 mil uh, that's a lot thicker. Um, you still have a small torturous path that could plug. So if you spend the money for that expensive tape, if you're doing uh, uh, SSI, which is subsoil irrigation, I may look at a tougher tape if I know it's going to be in there a long time. Uh, if you're burying tape uh, or that, I, I'd probably look at maybe a thicker variety. The thing you got to remember whenever you go to drip is roots seek water. And if roots seek water and you aren't timely on your irrigation, because I know somebody told me, well, I go on vacation now and then. Okay, so you didn't water for that week and you turn the water back on. You go on another week's vacation, same thing. Those roots start figuring out where that water comes from. They'll start to try to uh, grow into the emission device. We had a lot of nurseries last summer that were finding that the case. Lowe's and Home Depot, will, uh, the question was, where would you get Lowe's and Home Depot? Uh, being from the ag background, uh, the thing I hate about Lowe's and Home Depot is you don't have the knowledge staff there that knows what they're talking about. They sell you the product. Uh, most of the time it's going to be the brown, and most of the time it's going to be a 15 or 16 millimeter diameter, which was what we call a 500 series. Uh, then you got to watch your length of run. Um, another good source for you know, if you, if you like getting technical, if you go to Toro's website, they have a, uh, a calculator for figuring out length of run and, and uh, also slopes. So if you, uh, sometimes when I use my AirCAD program, I say, this isn't going to work. And so to double check it, I'll, I'll go to the Toro's uh, flow calculator page, and it will allow me to put in my elevation and distance to run on both main line and lateral lines. 
and then it's going to give me a wetted pattern. And the one I worked on the other day, uh, they give you about eight different colors. And on the little square grid, there was seven colors showing. And part of it was uh, at the top, because it was going downhill, was dry, and at the bottom was very wet. And so it told me, okay, if I shut, uh, cut that in half, what will happen? Not much, because the slope's too much. So if, if I run across the slope and zone it that way, then it'll work fine. And so that's where the, the calculator, and it, it you know, don't matter what variety of tape, if you know the flow rate, uh, you can choose, they, they got all the different flow rates for the tape, as well as tubing on there that you can choose and, and find out whether it will work for what you're trying to do. Okay, the question, uh, if you use T-tape or a tape, five pounds, 10 pounds, uh, what length of run can you run? Normally, uh, when we design, we design for a 10 PSI regulator. And uh, length of run, a lot depends on if there's any elevation. Because if you're pushing uphill, you're limited. If you're going downhill, it, sometimes you can go a little further. Uh, if you're too far downhill, then you're gonna get too much pressure. Uh, so that's why the calculator may be something, if you say, okay, I got, got a long run, what am I gonna do? Um, and a lot depends on what size you're starting off with, how long the run is. Usually if I'm doing a 75 foot run, I can get by with a, a quarter inch uh, barbed adapter to plug into the mainline hose like that, it'll work just fine. If I'm starting to push further than that, then I better go to a, a uh, 400 series barb. So basically, battery operated timer, a backflow device if, if required, so you don't suck your groundwater back into your system if it happens to be higher than um, you want to be. Uh, filter, uh, pressure regulator, hose adapter to connect to your underground. So pretty simple setups. Uh, different styles of filter. If, you, if I'm just doing a small home garden, this is a Fairly cheap one, it's got a little filter inside, uh, hose thread, hose thread, so basically if you're coming in the end, you can go out the other side. This is a straight through Y filter, uh, does the same type of stuff, bigger filter so you can do more area. Uh, the bigger the filter, the better. You just gotta watch. Uh, basically, uh, your anti-siphon devices, uh, most cities require them. Uh, most people that are on wells probably should have them if if there's a possibility that stuff might siphon backwards. And pressure regulators, they can be either a small one, and for homeowners, the small cheap ones work just fine. Can you move back two slides? Okay, so what I'm talking about, uh, most of your fittings nowadays are, are spin lock fittings. Um, anybody know the difference of the two fittings here? One has a valve, good, okay. What other thing might you notice? That on it says 600, this one says nothing. This happens to be a tape fitting. It's got a double barb where the one up here will have just a single barb. And so the one at the top is designed for drip tube. The one at the bottom is for tape. Uh, not, not that you'll remember that, but it's easy when people bring stuff up the counter, they'll bring a roll of drip tube and they'll bring a bottom fitting up. That's what exactly you're trying to do. 
And he said, well, I'm going to lay this out. And I says, uh, not with those fittings. I says, because you got two different things and you explain the difference. Tape being a thin fitting, if you try to shove tube on here, it'll fit on the barb. But when you go to lock the nut down, it'll push the tube back off. On the top one, you can slide the tape on, you lock it down. When you start it up, there's not enough compression there. It'll blow the tape back off. And so knowing your fittings helps. Um, some people say, I want to inject fertilizer. For the home gardener, there's two styles I would look at. They, they, and the cheap one we don't sell. It's designed to go on hose. It's a Venturi. It has a little hose. You mix up a solution in a bucket. You drop the hose in, and it will siphon in. On, on something like this, it's an easy flow. Uh, you basically fill your material in there. It colors the water. As the fertilizer is going out, that will eventually change back clear to let you know that all of the fertilizer is out. So in other words, if you're using miracle Grow, that'll turn green. Once that miracle grows out, the tank's clear again. And so it may be two, three, four irrigations before it gets cleared out, but it, it's a nice, useful tool. One of the hose end timers we sell is this one here for dummies. It's kind of got at home. It gives me, uh, depending on what number I put it on, it might be 10 minutes once a day, 10 minutes twice a day. Uh, I don't need to learn how to program it because when I set, put the battery in and turn it to that notch, that's the time of day that that thing starts. And if it's uh, two, twice a day, it's going to be that time and then 12 hours later. Uh, works fairly good, ball, ball valve style. so. If you're using a, a tank, it works good. Your rain barrels, you know, you can do anything you want for a rain barrel. The biggest thing is you want to try to make sure that you keep that top sealed somehow so light don't get in. Um, when you think of rain barrels collecting rough water, birds tend to fly over, so you'll get some nutrients. <laughs> okay, she says, I'm from Texas, rain barrels. Well, Texas tends to have more rain in the summer than we do here. But you also consume more water because depending on the soil type you have in Texas, it might it depend on the area of Texas. Some parts of Texas are real heavy clay, other parts are sand. And so you, that's the, the, the thing of watering is you've got to learn your soil type and know how much water you really need to save and how far is it between showers. It used to be here... We would get showers at least about every three weeks. And now we're going from May till October with no rain. And so all of a sudden, the idea of storing the water in a rain barrel, you, you've got to get a large capacity unless you have a real small garden. Okay, the question was tubing on top of the ground versus tubing slightly under the ground. Uh, white PVC I would never use because it grows algae. If I'm using tape or tube, uh, if it's on top of the ground, it's more susceptible to rabbits, mice. Uh, if you're in the agriculture area, coyotes, uh, squirrels, anything, anything that wants to play with it or chew on it to get water, they're going to find it. Uh, so if you bury it a little bit, it makes it a little less attractive. Uh, farmers that have tried using plastic mulch and running the tubing underneath on top, 
uh, I've been out there and you listen to the hissing going on. You say, okay, there's a leak in that row. There's a leak over there. You can hear all these leaks. And so you say, okay, is that the right route to go? Um, if you use plastic mulch, yes, it helps keep the weeds down, but you got to put up with it. Then you got to slowly figure out where it's at, cut it open, make a splice and fix it. Uh, different types of tape, uh, are there different ones that, that, that are capable of doing different things uh, like compensating for elevation, compensating for dirty water? Uh, the answer to that question is sort of. Uh, there, I haven't found a real true PC tape until you go to at least a 15 mil, then they get more of a, a pressure compensating emitter in them. Uh, that allows you to do some hills. It helps, but it's not going to cure the problem because when you shut it off, uh, if you're running downhill, that, that water's got to go somewhere until the pressure gets down to where that emitter will close. Um, as far as dirty water, uh, the torturous path most all, all tape makes, uh, you want the, on tape, you want the emitter facing up. That way all the dirt's on the bottom, so it takes more to get it plugged. Um, trying to think, uh, emitter styles, most all of them, uh, even your boat style, some of them use, they'll bond it to it. They have a little pre-screen that will keep bigger chunks from getting in, but some of your smaller chunks, and if you have minerals, will slowly get in. The question was, irrigating in the winter time. Um, and that's a hard one because in this area we don't irrigate much in the winter time other than maybe a high tunnel or something like that. Uh, frost normally will not affect uh, tubing. I don't know how it performs on tape because I don't know of too many people using tape in the winter time for irrigating. The boat style emitter, and I didn't get a picture of one, uh, basically it, it is about an inch and a half long, about a quarter inch wide. It has a torturous path in it. And, and they bond it to the inside of a piece of tubing. I, I, if, if I was a new farmer, I like the old inline emitters on drip tube that are round cylindrical because they do have a double emission path on them. And I think they tend to hold up maybe longer than some of the others. But the industry is going away from those because it's too costly for them to have all these totes of different sizes of emission devices. So when they get ready to change production runs, they've got to move that tote out, move the next tote in, where if they go with a boat style emitter, they can use that same one for all different sizes of tubing. How much pressure do you need? Uh, the question was, how do you get the water from a rain barrel uh, up enough pressure to irrigate something? Uh, I think my wife's saying two days ago, they had a class telling you about Water temperature, you should have warmer water to irrigate your plants with because it, it helps prevent some diseases. Uh, when I was doing greenhouse, my first greenhouse, the guy told me that, and so I had this barrel, similar to a rain barrel. Uh, how do you irrigate with it? Uh, I had a sump pump in there. And so when I wanted to water, I'd flip the sump pump on, I had a hose connection, and I'd water my plants, and then I'd top the barrel off so that the next time I went to use it, it'd be, the water would be warmer again. Uh, if you got an oily sump pump, either it's oil getting into where the pump's pumping it out, 
or you've got a bad seal in the sump pump because normally uh, the only oil in a sump pump is dielectric oil and the dielectric oil should stay contained in that pump and never affect the water because it's usually an epoxy based paint that's on it. Um, what you got to look at if you're going to try to use a sump pump is to make sure you have one that uh, as high ahead as possible because most sump pumps won't lift over about 20 feet so that gives you about 10 psi of pressure so that's going to be your limiting factor. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.